Salem CHD3 Detroit, WKHQ HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. What is Convergence? What about the divine cosmos? Is there something bigger going on here, bigger than we could possibly imagine? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 209th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and those intriguing questions came from my son, co-host, and partner in the paranormal, Ben. Now, tonight, we're very pleased to welcome to the show for the first time David Wilcock, professional lecturer, filmmaker, and researcher of ancient civilizations, consciousness science, and new paradigms of matter and energy. His upcoming Hollywood film, Convergence, deals with the idea that all life on Earth is united in a field of consciousness, which affects our minds in fascinating ways. David is also the subject and co-author of the international bestseller, The Reincarnation of Edgar Cayce, which explores the remarkable similarities between himself and Edgar Cayce, 1877-1945, known as the Sleeping Prophet. So, David Wilcock, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we're going to have a wild night here because there is a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of stuff that's about to happen that hasn't happened yet. Well, that sounds interesting. Ben, take it away. All right, so let's just delve right into the heart of your beliefs. What is the convergence? Well, the term convergence refers to an overall change in the solar system, which is actually measurable as a climate change that we're seeing not just on Earth, but throughout all the planets and the sun. I believe that this literal transformation of the solar system, which is being carefully documented by European Space Agency as well as NASA and others, nobody ever puts the pieces together, but yet this appears to be the literal fulfillment of ancient prophecies describing what they refer to as a coming golden age. And so I have been putting out material since 1996 on the Internet describing this, and so I have quite a legacy, and that recently translated into uh, being on episode, uh, the second season of uh, Ancient Aliens, seven out of ten episodes, I was featured on that show. Oh, Bill Burns is uh, a good friend of ours. Yeah, we watched yeah. it. Well, you know, you said a, a, a mouthful there, David. Ben, if I know Ben's got another question, but I just, I, I really jumped on something you just said, David, and that's pe- that people don't put the pieces together. That, that, that is everything. Being able to see the big picture is everything, you know, and we're always griping about that on this show that the Western mind uh, and its epistemology does not work because it does not put things together. It takes them apart. So go, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get Well, that. the problem with. The problem with the truth is that the truth doesn't have publicity. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Quite true. Go ahead, go ahead, Ben. All right. So what do you mean when you say the divine cosmos? Well, I'm literally referring to the idea that consciousness is the builder of all physical matter, and I call it the source field. And so after several rounds of arm wrestling with my publisher, the title that we agreed on for my new book, is the source field investigations. And I like the title because what it does is it really emphasizes that we are not making hard and fast conclusions. We're not pointing a finger and trying to establish a dogma or a doctrine. We're just saying, look, there are some very interesting investigations going on from very reputable scientists, most of whom do not know about each other's work. And if you tie it all together and you look at the big picture, 
then we're left with the conclusion that extraterrestrials visited the Earth thousands, many thousands of years ago. At one time, they were in open communication with us, and they actually assisted us in building giant stone monuments. And all of those ancient works appear to have been intended to leave behind a legacy that we would then decode in our time to alert us to the fact that there was going to be this massive transformative event that would happen on Earth, which is not like a light switch that flips off in 2012, but it's an active process of evolution that we're going through. It's an evolution that is an elective process where you get to choose how fast you want to go through it by your own decisions and how you live your life. All right, let's go back to what you said in the beginning, because obviously you piqued our interest by saying all these kind of things are going to happen. Could, could you extrapolate on that? And obviously I think it probably comes from what you've already said. I think that disclosure is a very big part of this game, and by disclosure I mean the modern re-acknowledgement of the fact that we are not alone in the universe. There have been people visiting us for a long time, and ultimately I would say the galactic nature of the human form. The human body, as it turns out, is a design that has a lot more mileage on it than just this one planet. Hmm. And that's that's because it's written into the actual energy of the galaxy. Uh, there was a very recent experiment that everybody's talking about now. I've had 20 or 30 emails come in in the last week about this, and I popped it into the book at the last minute because it was really good. A Nobel Prize-winning biologist who discovered that you could take a test tube with DNA in it that's floating in water, and then another test tube is sitting next to it that has nothing but sterilized water in it, nothing else. He zapped the first test tube with a 7 hertz direct current frequency of electromagnetic energy, just zap it with a little electricity, and lo and behold, the hydrogen and oxygen molecules in that water in the other test tube rearrange and form DNA. So you're getting alchemical transmutation of elements, and you're getting the spontaneous manifestation of DNA out of water. And that that's how life works. Of. Yeah, that's how life yeah. works. I've got like, I would say, without exaggerating, I'd say I have at least 12 or 15 references that prove this in my book. Hmm. This is how it really works. And it's probably hmm. even more than that, but I don't, I don't want to overestimate it. All right, well, you answered Ben's next question here, but there's a second part of it. All right, so what is the ev- what evidence do you have for all of this? In the, in the sense of disclosure. Yeah. Or the lack thereof, or you know, whatever you refer well, to an insider warrant disclosure. What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, that's a big subject, and uh, anybody who goes to my website divinecosmos.com knows that I've been tracking this story since late last year, around October, because China apparently was contacted by extraterrestrials after the Roswell crash. The Roswell crash apparently was real. We are dealing with, in this case, what appears to be people from the future that actually did acquire the technology of time travel. And then people say, well, hell, if, you, if they have time travel, then why don't they just show up and tell us, hey, you know, we're, we're your own future ancestors here. Apparently there's, there's rules, and the rules are enforced by beings that are much more advanced than most of these ETs are. And the rules include something very similar to what you hear about in Star Trek, the idea of a prime directive, which is that these ETs are not allowed to intervene in a planet's history until the people want them to show up. 
The problem is that we have these power groups here on Earth that have profited very nicely from keeping us driving around in a technology that is literally a century old and has hardly changed at all. you got rubber tires, a steering wheel, and an internal combustion engine that burns gasoline. It's the same damn thing that Henry Ford discovered a 100 years ago. Hardly anything has changed except it goes a little bit faster and it gets a little bit better gas mileage, but not even by much. That's a joke. That's ridiculous. Yeah, well, you can't deny that. I mean, I I, I don't know. We're not – we didn't generally start out as conspiracy conspiracy theorists, but after two and a half years on the air, we've heard things, and I I know you've heard things, and we we know know where you're coming from. I don't so know I'm, just I... trying to, I'm just trying to express, if you all have gotten into, for example, the story of Nikola Tesla. Oh, yes. Yeah. You've heard a hundred times how J.P. Morgan said, where do we put the meter on each house that's going to use your power system, Mr. Tesla? Mm-hmm. Mr. Tesla replied, well, you don't have to have a meter on there because it's free energy. Yeah. And the next thing you know, bam, the guy's shut down and he ends up dying poor and destitute with a gun clutched in his hand. That's absolutely true. And that's how they do it. Yeah. Stefan Marinov, the head of the European Free Energy Movement, committed suicide by jumping out of a window backwards. How's that? Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, it just goes to show. I know we, we're at this. We're at the point we don't trust anybody. I mean, let, let alone the Chinese. <laughs> you know, people, you know, regime that's killed seventy or eighty million of its own people. I mean, but then again, nothing is what it appears to be. Nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be, and it's getting so that no, nothing in in uh, the so-called real world is what it appears to be either. Well, okay. yeah, on some level, it is like a gang war. I'm not saying that I've rubber stamped the Chinese Empire as if it's all good. It's oh, not. sure. Oh, no, no, right. There's nobody is damaging Africa more than China right now, and, and mm. those abuses are off the chart. Um, mm. You know, so I'm not saying China's a good guy, and I've had a lot of flack from my audience about this, but I also want to point out that China is part of a greater alliance, which includes Brazil, Russia, India, some of these other countries. India has managed to stay really clean in terms of not pissing people off. And India has been disclosing a tremendous amount of data that is very compelling on a website called India Daily, which is clearly... Indian mainstream media on the internet in English, and there's a section you can read in there called technology, and I haven't heard a single person mount any type of credible opposition to the information that I presented last weekend from India Daily, which I've been holding on to for a year, and the reason why I didn't put it out until now is that the word nuclear was dropped in there so many times that I honestly did not want it on my website until I knew that it was safe to put it up there. Uh, Can you tell us about that? Well, here's the deal. Nuclear weapons cannot be used, period. The ETs are not sitting back and doing nothing. The reason why you're seeing UFOs in the sky is because they are keeping very, very careful watch of what we're doing here on Earth, and they want to make absolutely sure that nobody does anything that would damage the planet beyond repair. They do allow a lot of things to happen. They are allowing things to happen that some people say, oh, my God, why don't the ETs stop this, that, or the other? Why didn't they stop the BP oil spill? Why don't they stop the alleged chemtrails, et cetera, et cetera? I hear that all the time. The point is the ETs are not here to stop everything. They're here to stop the planet from being apocalyptically destroyed in a mass catastrophe. Apparently what's been going on is that thousands and thousands of 
different creative works, each of which can cost millions of dollars over the years, have been put out on television, in books, in movies, depicting an alien invasion. The entire thing is fake. It's been built up with billions and billions of dollars of money that is funneled through the Pentagon by black budget funding through what appear to be foundations that are giving grants to then finance these various creative works, which then appear to be just another Hollywood movie like Independence Day. Again, against the alien, in other words, against ETs. Yeah, yeah, saying that ETs are these evil, horrific creatures, obfuscating the truth, which is that they're people that look so much like you and me that you'd be astonished if you met one of them. All right. We got a break coming up, but uh, when we come back, I want—I can take this. I knew this would happen. You're, you're such a Renaissance guy, we're all over the place. But I wanted to give you our point of view on what might be sure. an ET situation. But we're going to take a break right now behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Our guest, David Wilcock. Stay with us. Join Kimmy Rose on interviews Thursday nights from nine to eleven p.m. Together as a community, we will embrace the challenges in life and find a way to experience heaven on earth. Spiritual teachers and Kimmy will bring you insight on how to change your life and embrace purpose. Interviews this Thursday night starting at 9. It's all about what's within you.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Okay, we are back. It sounds like we had uh, maybe some audio trouble. Hopefully not. Yeah, really. Okay, and we were uh, talking that with David Wilcock, and we were. I was going to throw an idea to at him, and uh, David had said something that really kind of stood out with us. Uh, the ETs uh, are here, have been here, long time, have uh, positive stuff going on, but there are. The critters that we run into in our work, I've, I've been involved in the paranormal for over 40 years now, and it's um, involved in a lot of uh, essentially what's known as ghost research, I suppose. Now we consider it more cosmic journeying, uh, mm-hmm. now that Ben's been involved. And we run into what we refer to as parasitical entities, and folklore calls them demons. Uh, so, uh, some oh, fol- sure. Folklorists would say... They're the same things as ETs, or at least some of them are, and it gets very muddled. I don't trust any of these critters. Now, there are plenty who are good, who help us. We, we work with several species who, <clears throat> excuse me, who are very helpful. But what say you about this? Uh, can, can you trust these ETs? To, to, is it what it appears to be from your point of view? Can they be trusted? Anybody who thinks that any other being in the universe besides a human being it's got to be positive, is grievously naive, in my opinion. Mm. And I don't mean that to disrespect anyone. I mean that to simply say that the universal community is just like any community here on Earth, where you have people who appreciate the light and people who adore the darkness. And there are entities out there that can play around and cause trouble. However, it is my understanding from the esoteric background that I have in terms of philosophical material that has either been brought through by me, by intuitive means, or this material called the Law of One series that was brought through in 1981 by alleged channeling. Again, I would never normally endorse channeling at all. I think that most of it, if not almost all of it, is is very, very distorted and far off the mark. Mm. Uh, but I do think it's possible to do it correctly. That's why I just released a video series called Access Your Higher Self, where I've now disclosed exactly how I do it. So there's no secrets left. But if it's done correctly, it's my understanding that what you're going to hear is that the universe was originally one mind. It still is on some level. But this one infinite creator designed a universe where there would be a duality, where there'd be good and evil. The purpose of that was to create an inspiration for everyone to ultimately grow back to oneness. So the idea is the universe was originally one. It got bored and distressed because nothing was changing. It experienced duality, created duality, so that each of us have the gift of free will to explore our own spiritual path, to decide whether we want to be spiritual or not, whether we want to be loving or not. And we're given that right. Nobody's going to tell us what to do. But if we do things that violate other people's free will, we create an invitation for that to be balanced by what most people call karma, meaning that if you do good things, good things happen to you, and if you do bad things, meaning things that infringe on people's free will, then bad things will happen. And so to the extent that we invite negativity into our lives by being negative, negative entities will be allowed to muddle up 
our lives. And unfortunately, you can't ever really run the game cleanly enough to avoid some degree of karma. But the more that you become aware of it, the more you can streamline the process. And so you get to the point where you understand when negative things are happening to you. You see why they happened, and you can learn from them rather than just repeating it blindly. Yeah, that that, uh, that really matches up with a lot of the things. We, we, we might put it in different terms, but we're always saying language isn't really good enough to talk about this, yeah, which is yeah. really frustrating when you run a talk show. So <laughs> anyway yeah. – uh, I did have a question. What is, no, I, we're with you. Um, I follow you exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, what is the ascension? And do you tie this in with 2012 at all? Oh, sure. Um, many of these ancient cultures describe a process of evolution that they refer to as a light body in some cases. The Tibetans and India, they refer to it as the rainbow body. There's a wide variety of different cultural references to this phenomenon, and it appears that the phenomenon itself involves an act of extreme purification where the person has worked diligently to be as compassionate and as forgiving and as loving as possible. Typically, it's years and years and years of meditation in a cave somewhere. The master comes out. He's now able to mush his hand or his foot into solid rock and leave a footprint behind or a handprint behind. There's many, many cases of this. They photographed it. There's websites you can see where they show you the images of these footprints and handprints in China. I've seen some of them. Yeah, yeah. and this is real. Uh, and what happens is these people choose when they're going to leave, and they leave by a process of transmuting their physical body into light. Now, there's three different types of where this can happen. In the first type, they after death, they stop breathing, they have clinical death, and their body shrinks down over the course of seven days to a small, ashen human figure that's only maybe about six or seven inches long and looks like a little man made out of ash. The second type is where they dematerialize almost everything. Sometimes they leave behind hair and fingernails. Sometimes they leave behind the septum of the nose. They don't need to do that, but they do it so that they're fellow uh, travelers can have some sort of memento of them. But then the third type would be akin to the Jesus ascension, where you have a spontaneous transmutation into light. There's an Indian saint called something like Padma Sambhava, some, I forget how you pronounce the name, but there's some people out there who've done this, and it's documented. So this actually is also referenced in many ancient traditions with the idea of a coming golden race. And one of the most fascinating data points I can give you on this is that the dollar bill has this weird symbol on it that you've all seen where you see the pyramid with the eye on top. And you know that on the bottom of that symbol it says Novus Ordo Seclorum. Mm -hmm. What most people are not aware of is that that is a quotation from prophetic scripture that was considered the greatest treasure in the history of Rome. It was stored underground in a vault at the Temple of Jupiter under armed guard. And that prophetic scripture had many, many prophecies about the future of Rome that extends right through to today and beyond. And that particular passage, Novus Oro Seclorum, is a, is a shortened version of a much larger passage that is uh, Magnus ab integro seclorum nascitor ordo. And in Latin, what that says is, 
the great engine of the centuries is renewed. Uh, and then if you keep reading from there, what you find out is this great engine of the centuries they're talking about is this cycle in which everyone actually becomes part of this golden race. This You, you have a light body activation. It's written right into the prophetic scripture. And that's the part that they quoted from when they made the great seal of the United States. So they never hid it from anybody. Mm-hmm. William Henry has talked about, you go, you can go walk into the U.S. Capitol today if you want to. Go, go to the dome in the Capitol where Congress is. Go to the middle of the dome and, and look straight up into the ceiling. And what you're going to see in the middle is a painted fresco called the Apotheosis of George Washington, which features George Washington in an ascended state. Yeah. And the word that. apotheosis means man becomes God. That's right. It does. So they never hit it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's true. All right. Wow. I'm sorry to be jumping around so much here, but you bring up so many interesting things. Let's go back to one thing that I've always wondered. I know Ben, I, I don't want to step on his questions don't, here, no, but don't worry about it. Just okay. Let's go with it. All right. We often have the same question. All right. Why, we're talking about ETs helping build ancient monuments. And I know you're an expert in ancient mysteries and ancient monuments. Why rocks? Because they last? Or, I mean, it, just, it seems like you come a couple of billion light years or through the boundaries of worlds or wherever or whenever they came from. And why rocks? I mean, why do they use steel? Actually, um, there's a very good reason to use rocks, and it's because they are a crystalline structure. If you okay. understand how pyramid technology works, you'd recognize that we are looking at a technology that is more advanced than anything we have on Earth now. And I do not mean that strictly in terms of the ability to levitate stone and move it around like it's a hot air balloon. I'm talking more about what pyramids actually do for us. In order to understand what pyramids do for us, we have to understand quantum mechanics. And right now, we don't. Right. Quantum mechanics is a ridiculous hodgepodge of contradictory information including this super string theory that says the universe is made of 11 different strings that vibrate in different dimensions. It's horseshit. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. No. <laughs> sorry. Oh, well. The FCC, uh, uh... Yeah, well. <laughs> right, well, if we go off I'm used there, to we'll... I do so much internet radio, I forgot. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next time I'll remind out. you. Yeah, just All bleep right. me out. Just don't say the big one. Oh, no, no, no. I would never. I don't All use right. that word. Um, anyway. The point is that if, if you look at what we know about pyramid technology, it goes back to what we know about matter. And the secret of matter is that there is a fluid-like energy flowing into atoms and molecules that makes them exist. And if it wasn't for this fluid-like energy, the atoms and molecules wouldn't be there. The fluid-like energy swirls around any object. So if you have, for example... Let's say that your desk is sitting there, and you're looking at your desk right now. Your desk has energy that's flowing into it to make the desk, and the energy flows through the whole desk as if it was one unit, not just each individual atom. So if you make certain shapes, you're going to actually get a whirlpool or a vortex current that flows in that shape based on its shape. So if you build something that's in the shape of a funnel, you're going to get a whirlpool or a vortex formation in that shape. And so literally what I'm saying is a pyramid is a machine that has no moving parts whose purpose is to create a swirling vortex. Then the question is, well, what good does that do? 
why would we care about the vortex? Well, go back to the etymology of the word pyramid. The word pyramid bifurcates into two subwords, which are pyre and amid, which means fire in the middle. So the word pyramid means fire in the middle, meaning it creates a vortex inside. And that vortex is ultimately made of energy that I call the source field. And it's the same energy that makes physical matter. It's the same energy that actually sustains and nourishes biological life. And it's the same energy that we actually use to think. Ultimately, the mind is a non-local phenomenon. That's right. And we are not confined to our brain in terms of the reach to which we have in consciousness. We can actually access the field directly. That's why there's multiple studies, and I have many examples I give in my book, where, for example, if you give people a test of words in Hebrew that are in the Old Testament extensively, and these people have never looked at Hebrew before, and then you scramble up the words, and so you have people try to guess which word is which, they will guess the real words much more than the fake words. And they did the same thing with Japanese. Really? So, yeah. So there's a, there's a template of information that we access when we use our intellect. And that template is non-local. non-local. It is not confined to our brain. Yeah. Th- th- that's a big jump for most people. And we, we believe that absolutely. Uh, now, we, we're coming up on another break here. When we come back, maybe we can talk more about that. I also wanted to get into, uh, Ben's got a question here about the bird die-offs, things of that kind, and how they might be connected with this. But we're here behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back with our marvelous guest, David Wilcox. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons, no boundaries.
is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back, and we're visiting with David Wilcock this evening, and we're having a fascinating conversation about all sorts of things, and we're we're, we're, we're ranging wide here, but I think we're touching on things that are very important. Ben, I'm going to give you a chance to ask, ask a question that somebody, uh, a lot of people have been writing in about, and that's the uh, bird and animal die-offs that have occurred and have been in the news lately. So take it away, Ben. Okay. All right. So you also mentioned on your blog, David, about the bird die-offs, and we've been hearing a lot about that. And it seems we have the same source of information about the blunt force trauma that the birds experienced when they were experimented on. So, well, that was CNN, bro. I didn't make that up. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We, we got that from several different yeah. sources, including uh, Linda Moulton Howe. Yeah. The right. Earthfiles, Earthfiles.com, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, what conclusions do you draw from this? <sighs> Big subject. Uh, I'd say all. Back, <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. Um this gets back to China's October surprise. And what I was saying before is ETs are not going to allow a fake alien invasion to happen. There is a group that is not really any elected government that has been trying to get this fake invasion for all along, and they've been financing all these propaganda movies to get us scared of it. And they have a formidable array of assets that are military in nature that would look like UFOs that could be flown out of gigantic aircraft carriers that are flying black triangles that are basically blimps. They're called the Stealth Blimp. There's a website, stealthblimp.com, you can go to. Yeah. And those are designed to be aircraft carriers to hold all these military assets that they can then attack us with and make it look like it's ETs invading. Well, the real ETs are now taking aggressive action after they made an attempt at diplomacy that China basically brought to everyone's doorstep as of October 13th, everybody in the world, every world leader got this package that had the plans to build free energy devices as well as a working prototype. And this prototype gives you a 1,000 miles to the gallon on on water, and you can drop it into an existing automobile, and you're going to run your car for a 1,000 miles on water. So... It would break the back of the oil lobbies, all that stuff, and it would really destroy a lot of these geopolitical power structures. They were told to surrender, to let this technology get out. They refused. Immediately thereafter, you saw a massive, unprecedented amount of military failures, specifically of nuclear devices. I've gone through this extensively on DivineCosmos.com. I don't need to do it again. But it included 50 different Minuteman three ICBMs being powered down, the largest nuclear missile failure in U.S. history, which happened in conjunction with a nuclear sub that was from Britain that got powered down, a nuclear aircraft carrier from France that got powered down. This is all in a matter of a couple weeks. And then there was that missile launch off the coast of Los Angeles. All of this was part of this insider war. Again, they were given a chance to surrender, but they did not. And what's happened since then, according to sources I have very highly positioned on the inside world, is that these ETs are now attacking and destroying all of these classified military assets. It's an unprecedented military campaign going on behind the scenes. The only defense that these insiders have is High Altitude Aurora Research Project, or HARP, which basically creates an electromagnetic shield to try to stop these energetic pulse weapons from being able to destroy the military hardware. 
The problem is that when you turn these shields on, any any bird or critter that's flying around or swimming in the ocean is going to be instantly traumatized to death. Yeah. So that's what we're seeing. That's it's, the first thing I thought was EMP, that you know, the liquid yeah. organs and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but the cool part is, as traumatic as it is to see all these birds dying, the cool aspect of the story is that we're actually seeing a losing battle that these insiders are fighting against. What's finally, you know, the ETs are like this slumbering giant that's just been watching everything happen without really doing very much, so it would seem. And now they're actually taking action. And that's a very reassuring thing. So they, these uh, die-offs are not uh, experiments specifically targeted at these populations. They're, they're not at all. collateral dance. These insiders are plenty smart enough to know to avoid detection at all costs. They do not ever want to play their hand and let you know what they're doing. And this is only being done because they feel like they have no other choice. And we're looking at human nature here. And I always say Karl Marx, people like that, never understood human nature. And uh, so what, what, what's the motivation on the part of these people? It's just a, their turf, keeping their power, keeping their wealth? Yeah, it's, it's a, it okay, actually that makes is sense. more than that because it's an occult worldview that's based on uh, Luciferian philosophy. Now, not everybody is a Luciferian, but some of them are. And, and they, believe, they believe in domination and control, and that's why they put out the Georgia Guidestones and say they'd like to have a comfortable lightening of the load of population on Earth to get us down to 500 million people. Well, you're hitting a lot of nerves with us here. I got to say it. Yeah, I mean that that kind of genocide would make Hitler look like a schoolgirl. Yeah, wow. You Good know, and that's what they want. So people are becoming aware that this is not a joke. And they no, they get afraid it. of it, you know, and and in the fear they want to attack people to talk about it, but that's just because they're terrified. Mm-hmm. Good, but it's a good thing to figure out. Okay, guess what? ETs are not scary creatures. That's what the propaganda has been telling us. Just like when you had white men on the European continent, and then there's some guy standing up on a building rooftop saying, there is no such thing as a black man. It's ridiculous. A black man? Give me a break. (laughs) And then they found one, and we brought him back home, and, oh, yeah, look, there's a black man. So it's the same thing with ETs. It's just that now our backyard is bigger than the flat earth. It's now the universe. Well, I have a question, but go ahead, Ben. Okay, so... What about double rainbows? Because there have been pictures like all, all over California of double rainbows just appearing all over the place. <laughs> double rainbow, man. <laughs> Are you talking well, about video? Oh, that's just like <laughs> magnetic activity, so why not? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, other than the hippie who's on shrooms who, who cries when he sees a double rainbow, yes, it is absolutely true that when these EMP devices are used, these energetic technologies are used, that you get what's called an electromagnetic bottle that forms in the atmosphere. And what that does is it creates light refraction, which leads to a circle rainbow. And when people see circular rainbows or odd, misshapen rainbow smears in the sky, a lot of times those appear right before an earthquake or some other type of unpleasant event. A lot of times they happen in China because the U.S. forces on the inside have been using this against China for a long time and others who try to defeat the agenda. Hmm. So once once we get past the laughter of saying double rainbow, yeah, there absolutely is a double rainbow effect that's out there. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let me, I'm going to jump around again here. We're talking about ETs. Uh, one of the questions we often get on the show here is, uh, if they're such nice guys, what are the abductions all about? Well, again, you got to look beyond the limitations of thinking 
that there's all good in the universe. And what I've heard, and I believe this is true, is that the predominant amount of abductions that are happening are actually not by extraterrestrials at all, but they're actually being done by our own military-industrial complex using what they call PLFs, or programmable life forms, which is a technology they got from ETs that allow them to make these drones, which are human fetuses that are grown to adulthood in a fetal shape. Almost like, the, almost like Nigel Kerner suggests. Yeah, it gives you the big head and the spindly arms and spindly legs. That's the fetus at adult shape. So these guys are, they need to be stopped. Um, this has to stop, and that's another reason why we need disclosure as soon as possible. Um, China and India and many other places do not have any reports of abductions at all. It's only in the West, and it's because they're doing it to their own people. So, again, that doesn't make people sleep well at night, but on the other hand, if you go back to these philosophical teachings I described, we find out that usually when people go through something like this, there's one of two reasons for it. And some people go through it specifically because they chose before they came to be human in this lifetime that they would go through something difficult to make them stronger. And so the spiritual teachings consistently tell us not to be afraid of things that happen to us and never to adopt a victim mentality, hmm. because no matter what happens, it will ultimately contribute to our greater oh. growth. Oh, I'm, I'm listening to you. I see we got a signal to wrap here. we got to wrap for another break. But, David, we'll be right back with this fascinating conversation behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben. You know, CBS News Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. Stay with us. Spiritually Raw, the ass-whipping truth, where skeptics meet spirits and consciousness connect. Meet the four distinctly different individuals, building a multimedia enterprise revolving around the spirit world. No topic is taboo. Tune in as they expose and explore controversial beliefs behind the truths, myths, theories, and religious dogmas surrounding the metaphysical world. They're smart, witty, intuitive, with a raw sense of humor that won't allow listeners to feel sorry for themselves. Special guests range from psychic mediums to Catholic priests and everyone in between. Be prepared for a cataclysmic collision of energies. Callers and opinions are welcome if you dare. SpirituallyRaw.com There was a man back in 95 whose heart ran out of summers but before he died I asked him, wait, what's the sense in life? Come over me, come over me. He said, son, why you gotta sing that tune? Catch a Dylan song or some eclipse of the moon. Let an angel swing and make you swoon. Then you will see, you will see. Then he said, he's a
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And we are back with David Wilcock. And I just want to take a second to welcome our, our new, listen, new listeners in the Pittsburgh market. We've gotten some emails from there already. Uh, really, uh, really great to have you with us. And uh, we are just going to, uh, we're in the last section of our show here, and we're going to have to uh, kind of move along. But uh, Ben's got a couple of final questions here for David Wilcock. Okay, so tell us about Wanderer Awakening, or just your music in general. Well, I actually was trained in college as a jazz drummer so I can belt out, you know, pyrotechnically excellent solos. And I'm going to do a video about this pretty soon because people don't believe me, but they'll be finding out pretty quick that it's true. Uh, I did do an album that has 25 vocal songs and 25 interludes. It's about over three hours. It's like almost three hours long called Wander Awakening. And it's basically a metaphysical journey it encapsulates all the different things that I teach about in terms of spirituality, including the idea that there's only one infinite creator, that we're all differentiations of that. It goes into ETs and how they created this planet a long, long time ago, and they got karmically entangled, and then they had to incarnate here in physical form. And some people fall into that category. That's what a wanderer is. It's an ET who has amnesia and doesn't realize that they're actually not from here, but... They don't fit in. They feel strange. They don't feel like anybody understands them. They don't understand people. They're naive to a large degree, and they constantly are getting manipulated and trampled on by other people. And so in my musical, all of that happens to the hero. The interesting thing about this is it was not done in a home studio. The guy I did it with is a nine-time Grammy winner, and it's at a high level of production value akin to some of the best stuff you've heard in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, really incredible. I'm so proud of it. So wow. that's one thing. Um, I also am working on a movie called Convergence with the guy who wrote Contact with Carl Sagan. Wow. Okay. And that's, that's kind of like a, it's going to do for pyramids what Close Encounters did for UFOs. Let's put it that way. Cool. Um, we're almost ready to shop it out to directors. And in Jim's Black Book is everybody. He did a film with Francis Ford Coppola. He did a film with Spielberg. So we can literally get to anyone we want with this script. And we're being very careful because we do not want this film to get into the hands of anybody who's associated with the Illuminati. Uh, right. So, you know, so we have to play our cards carefully. and We have to use psychic information, guidance, to make sure we get the right person. But I do believe that we're very close as the script is incredible. And if we play our cards right, it could be a very classic film in cinema history. I do feel that that could happen. Excellent. Well, there yeah. is a question is a question I wanted to get into uh, just very briefly, because you're a controversial guy. I mean, so am I. I mean, a lot of people don't like what's in my books, you know, they say, well, how can you do this, that, and the other thing, but uh, you believe that, is, is it true that you believe you're the reincarnation of Edgar Casey? Well, I don't know if reincarnation is what you can call it. I will say that I believe that I have a very close similarity to him in terms of my facial appearance, which is nearly identical, in terms of my astrology, where I have a planetary alignment that's as close to his as you can get in 127 years after his death, and I happen to have five of the closest people from my childhood and college years who are basically spitting images of the closest people in Casey's life. 
Then I also have abilities just like his. I seem to have a personality similar to his. I follow my dreams like he did. I do readings like he did. I seem to have the same knowledge that he allegedly had in other past lives that he referred to in his readings. And so whether that means that reincarnation is real or whether it means that we tap into archetypal energy that other souls create when they live on the planet, I don't know. I like the way you put something very that. interesting going on. Yeah. I like the way you put that. Uh, our general view of reincarnation is that in this multiversal scenario, we are each other at some point. And so we're all, we all actually are Edgar Case, including you at exactly. some point. You share the, 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 that's why I don't, I don't, I had a publicist who wanted, was insisting that I do psychic readings. Now I just wasn't comfortable with it. I think we're operating at <laughs> a higher level than that. Yeah. But when I would try it, it was horrifying. I would become this person. I would put myself where I was them in some corner of the multiverse, some time, some place. Yep. I would have their memories, their fears, their imagination. It was awful. I refused to do it anymore. I had Nor- 500 clients, and I would dream their dreams. There you live, go. Live their worst nightmares as if they were my own. And when I had when I had a woman who had eye surgery and I experienced her surgery, you know, I love her to death. I mean, she's a great person, but that was one of the experiences that made me say, okay, i got to get out of this. Wow. Okay, well, we're out of time, I'm sorry to say. Tell us about your books and your website, what you're working on. Just take a few minutes take okay, a second to do that. Thank you. Uh, the website is divinecosmos.com. I highly encourage you to go there. I have a YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash davidwilcock333. There's a bunch of free stuff you can watch there. I try to update my website every week or every other week. Sometimes I do it every week if I can. The book that's coming out with Penguin is in August. It's called The Source Field Investigations. It's going to be a metaphysical tour de force. It's the greatest thing I've ever accomplished as a human being. I'm very proud of that. The Wander Awakening is available on my website. Convergence, the movie, is about to be sold because we're going to have a finished script in about a month. It will probably take another year before we get it out. We are hoping to have that film out before the end of 2012. Uh, I have articles on my site. I highly recommend you go listen to them. And I hope we can get some kind of MP3 for my audience to hear this show. Is that possible? Oh, yes. That's done as a matter of routine. The podcast will be up usually within 24 or 48 hours. Excellent. Well, we'll have a whole new wave of people hearing this once I put it up on my site then. Great. David, it's been a real pleasure. And let's keep in touch. Absolutely. I want to thank both of you guys for doing such a great job. I really appreciate your energy, and uh, you're brave to be out there talking about stuff that's going to get you a lot of hatred, and, and I really appreciate you creating this forum for me to be able to speak. I, I do thank you. Excellent. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, right. take it away, Ben. Right, so don't miss our New England Drive Time show in the Boston-Worcester-Providence Triangle on WON 1240 AM and O1Worldwide.com tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern. All right, and uh, we refer you to our website, BehindTheParanormal.com. We have well over 200 hours of shows, well over that. Uh, you can download it from any time. You see our future guests, past guests, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so podcasts of all our shows are available at NewSkyRadio.com or at our show website, www.BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay, many thanks to our wonderful producer, Will Kosnick. Wise guy sometimes, but a great guy all around. And we'll see you right here next Sunday, January 30th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on CBS New Sky Radio. NewSkyRadio.com, when Ben and I will do a follow-up show to our return to Rendlesham Encore earlier that afternoon. Uh, with us live will be eyewitnesses Jim Penniston and John Burroughs to take us in-depth into, among other things, the recently revealed UFO binary code issue at Rendlesham. 
Long story, but very interesting. All right. Which so, I disclosed on Ancient Aliens, by the way. There you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the ghost of David is still... <laughs> okay. So you can hear rebroadcasts of Beyond the Paranormal on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, right here on CBS News Sky Radio. Okay. And we'll leave you with a quote from the great Irish author, George Bernard Shaw. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.